Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. All right. I'm moving a little bit slower this morning. I'm sorry. So yesterday we had uh, one of our neighbor's kids had a birthday party. Um, He's like four years old or so. And so they had, they have a basketball goal that one of those that, you know, can lift and go down, up and down. So they had it really low at about seven feet or so. And, um, you know, the guys, the dads get out there, decide that we're going to play a little basketball on a seven foot goal. And of course, all of us as dads, we see that short goal and we decide we're going to go Shaquille O'Neal on it, right? We are going to dunk this. We're going to go hard. And I think that I was thinking I'm still 25 or so years old. But reality is, you know, I'm 40 years old now. And so there's starting to be things that happen in my life that kind of remind me that I'm getting a little older. So this happened to be one of them. I went hard for the basketball goal. Of course, I dunked it, I made it. And I came down a little funny on my foot. My toes didn't really agree with the way that I landed. And so I have a little bit of a limp here on on this side. All that to say, the next time I went, I did not go as hard at all. And I just started to shoot a little bit, but that was kind of funny yesterday. And it reminded me of what I want to talk about this morning. And that's why I'm sharing that with you this morning. Um, And any of you dads who are under the age of 40, don't worry, it's coming. There's going to be little things that pop up, little hurts, little, oh, where did that come from? And you realize, can't do it like I used to do. And so going into this, let me share why I want to share this with you, is I had a certain perspective that, that informed, that um, kind of directed the approach that I took to that basketball goal. I decided that I was, had the same muscles as I did when I was 25, that I was tall enough that I could jump and I could go hard at that basketball goal and dunk it. And so that's what I did with, you know, just went for it, right? But the next time I realized I couldn't do that. My perspective changed on the basketball goal. I realized I'm a little bit older. My muscles are a little bit weaker. I can't jump as high as I used to could, even though I've never been able to jump that high. And so I did not jump as hard or as big as I did before. And the reality was the perspective that I took into the situation with that basketball basketball goal informed my approach to how I was going to shoot the ball, to how I was going to dunk that ball. And so this morning we're talking about thriving and not just surviving with families. And specifically this morning, we're gonna be talking about children. And it doesn't matter what age your children is, whether they're zero, one, two, three, all the way up to 40, 50, 60 adult children. What I truly believe, and I think what is the reality in God's word is that the perspective that we take as parents is the most important thing when it comes to thriving as a family. Not so much what we do initially, but how we see our role as parents and how we see what is going on in our family and with our children. Once we see the way that God sees our family and our perspective shifts to having a God-given biblical perspective of our family, then our actions, our deeds, the way we parent begins to shift as well 
into the way that will make it so that our family is thriving and not just surviving on a daily basis. So my goal this morning is to give some, some perspective shifts, if you will, some, some ideas, some thoughts on how we can see parenting in a way that will help us ultimately with the way that we parent. And just like with the basketball goal yesterday, when my perspective changed and got a little bit closer to reality, it changed the way that I approached the basketball goal for the better in a more healthy way, in a more, as you could say, thriving way, instead of really hurtful way that hurt my body. Um, and so what I want to share this morning is I really just wanna share four principles. As uh, Pastor Don was sharing a couple of weeks ago with us about how we wanted to talk about thriving as a family, not surviving, and how he wanted me to share about children. Um, I was thinking through four principles and in good Southern Baptist form, I have four words. They all start with the letter M. So they're easy to memorize and they're easy to say. So I just wanna give these four words to you right off the bat. And then we're gonna go through each of these words. All right, they all start with M. The first one is moments. The second one is milestones. The third one is modeling. And the fourth one is method. And so if you're taking notes this morning or you're writing down notes on your app, however that is, those are good four words to put down. Moments, milestones, modeling, and methods. And we're gonna talk about each one of those from the perspective of thriving and not just surviving with your children, no matter what age they are as a family. So here's the first one, moments. The principle I wanna share is survivors see obstacles, thrivers see opportunities. And so I think we can all say as parents, no matter what age our kids are, there are times when our kids either come to us or we observe something that they are doing and we would describe that as an obstacle to our family thriving right? Like they have hit their brother or their sister, or they have argued with their brother, or you have an older child who has called you and said, I messed up this. I have this mistake. What, you know, and, and these things come and we say, these are obstacles to your family. These are obstacles to me as a parent and to us as a family living out our lives with love and respect. And a lot of times as parents, we see these obstacles as things that we need to overcome when God is actually have, putting these into our lives as opportunities for us to teach our children up through. So instead of these obstacles being things that we just have to get over, we should see them as opportunities to teach our children through. And I wanna share at each of these perspectives, I wanna share a God-given truth, a gospel truth that explains how the gospel, the way God treats us and the way God sees us and the way God interacts with us informs each and every one of these. And so the truth for this one is simply that God uses all things for the good of those he loves. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works all things for the good of those who love them. What an incredibly important gospel truth for us as Christians to know and to cherish. That when seemingly obstacles come our way, the reality is, those are opportunities for God to bring good into a situation. 
hard to grasp, hard to understand. There's many things that happen in our life that we never fully understand, but we can trust in Romans 28 is that God brings good. And good comes from seeing obstacles as opportunities and taking those opportunities, those God-given opportunities and using them for his glory and to share the love of Jesus. And so moments is the word I gave at the beginning. One of the best things we can do to thrive as a family is to take advantage of moments. Every situation daily, there is an opportunity to shine the gospel into a moment. When your kids are at their worst and you're thinking this, this is an obstacle to my happiness and to my joy, this is so tough. Maybe our perspective can shift as parents to say, no, this is actually an opportunity that God has given me to shine the gospel into. And when our perspective changes, when we see it differently, we're able to take a seemingly rough, bad obstacle of a situation, shift the perspective, now see it as an opportunity to help our family thrive later on in life. So let's think about some of the obstacles our kids throw out there. I was thinking about that. uh, I was actually this morning, I was just thinking about if I think through my family and my children and some of the things that go on that I see in kids, what are some of the types of obstacles that we face? So one of them I thought of was the disobedient child. Anyone have a disobedient child? Don't raise your hand. Oh, yeah, (laughs) they're like, yes. Yeah, disobedient child, right? We see that usually as an obstacle where we are at odds with this kid and we've just started a battle with this kid. And usually a lot of times our first reaction is to man up to our child, right? Or to mom up to our child and say, you're not winning this war, son, you know? And we create the perspective of you're an obstacle and I'm gonna win this. But what if God uses these opportunities of disobedience as, or these obstacles of of disobedience to an opportunity to share the important truths of God's word about how disobedience creates broken relationship. And the most important thing in your family is to keep relationships intact. That's just one example. How about the sore loser? Anyone have a kid who was a sore loser or was you were a sore loser when you were younger? The sore loser. We see that, right? I have have kids who don't like to lose. So quickly, if they lose, they cheat so they can win, right? Or they run away, they get mad and they, I'm not playing this with you anymore, right? Sore losers. Sore losers are a great opportunity to share about the importance of playing fair, of enjoying the moment of the the idea of God giving us fun things to enjoy, regardless of who wins. How about, how about the toy taker? Any of y'all ever had toy takers in your, in your house? If it's their toy and someone else is playing with it, they want it, right? A little bit of selfishness, another kind of sin that we all deal with that is manifesting itself in the life of kids. And kids who take toys back and forth all day long can drive you crazy as a parent, can't they? But what if that is an opportunity to talk about and to sit kids down and to take it, seize the moment to share about sharing and loving one another and talking about what Jesus did as he 
did not consider himself God, but emptied himself and served other people. There's so many other ones. How about the popularity pursuer? As your kids get a little bit older, this becomes into play a lot more, doesn't it? The popularity pursuer, a kid who is consumed, a child who is consumed by popularity, that it drives everything they do. That can be very frustrating as a parent. It can be to the point where you're like, I just can't even with you right now, right? Because I don't even understand why that's so important to you. But it's better to take the opportunity to teach about the importance of caring more what God thinks than what other people think, right? And so every opportunity, we can choose to see it as an obstacle to our family's joy or an opportunity to move our family into a thriving situation as they learn more about the gospel and gospel truth. So that's the first one, taking advantage of moments. The next word was, was milestones. So the principle, survivors see the failures, thrivers see the victories. Survivors see the failures, thrivers see the victories. This again talks directly to our perspective on parenting. Reality is our kids on a daily basis have many failures. They have many victories, right? Both are happening on a daily basis. And then we as parents get to choose when we lay our heads on the bed at night, which ones do we remember? If we're honest, we remember the failures a lot more than the victories, don't you? If we rehash the day, we think about all the things our kids did wrong, how upset they made us or the frustrating things, and those failures become our focus. But if we want to thrive as parents, if we want to thrive as a family, we will focus in on the victories. Even as younger, as, as older children, if you have an adult child, you're, you're, you're Kids call you every once in a while and we usually will dwell on, we'll worry about, we'll constantly rehash in our mind the failures or the struggle, the hardest things, the bad things that are going on without spending time to recognize the victories that are going on in our kids' lives. 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. So this is Paul speaking in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, in the early church, when there was persecution daily in the church, people were being thrown into jail. They were losing their freedoms. Things were not going well for the church from an outside perspective because of this persecution. And Paul had the opportunity to share a word of encouragement to the church. And what he said is, guess what, guys? This seems like failure, but the reality is that God is leading us in a triumphal procession in Christ. This is a victory parade. All of these failures that you see, the reality is God is looking down and seeing victory after victory after victory. And what happened in the early church? The gospel spread all over the known world. Churches kept being planted and Christian, the number of Christians grew. So even in the midst of what seemed to be a failure, it was filled with victory. And the cross of Jesus Christ that we celebrated the past couple weeks, right? What seemed to be a failure, the son of God crucified was the greatest victory that we've ever known or seen. And so we can choose to focus in on the failures in our family or we can choose to celebrate the victories in our family. And as parents, 
what we decide on that will change the tide, change the whole environment of our family. Focusing on failures will lead to kids who are frustrated, who are a little bit rebellious, who, are, who, just, who just struggle day in and day out, who have low self-worth. But celebrating the victories brings the complete opposite brings a family together, brings celebration, brings happiness, brings a safe and secure place. So how do we do this? Simple, we celebrate milestones. Celebrate the milestones in the lives of your kids, no matter how old they are and no matter how big or how small those milestones are. There are things that your kid learn on a Sunday morning if they're younger over in, kids, in our kids area. When they come home, if they can tell you something, make a big deal out of it. That is awesome. That is so cool that you learned that. You know, to ask them what they're learning in church. Ask them the different things that are going on in their lives. And here's the most important thing. Make the biggest deal out of the things that actually matter the most. Make the biggest deal out of the things that actually matter the most. And the reason I needed to say this is because the reality is our society does the exact opposite. Our society celebrates things that really don't matter very much. You just look over the landscape of our society and we have, you know, the Grammys and the Oscars and the celebrities that are put on a pedestal and and everything is about celebrating earthly gain. Celebrating financial success, celebrating athletic success, celebrating popularity, celebrating things that in the long term don't matter at all. And we fall into that when we celebrate our kids winning a baseball game without regard to how they treated their teammates or the other team, right? Or we, we, we celebrate um, when they win, but we're upset when they lose. We never celebrate when they lose well. That's one of the examples. Uh, my, my son is, uh, he's six years old now. And so he's on a four to six year old uh, T-ball slash coaches pitch, just madhouse, crazy, whatever it is, league where they all just get on there and go crazy. Um, and there's a lot of failure in this age group. I don't know if you've ever watched a kid at that age, but they missed the ball. You know, in major league baseball, if you hit the ball three out of 10 times getting a hit, that's the success, 300. These foot kids probably miss nine out of 10 balls. And then they happen to hit one, just kind of dribble it right out towards the pitcher one out of 10 times. And so, and then they try to field the ball and really it's more of a tackling the person who's in front, getting the ball. Then they try to throw the ball to first base and sometimes it gets there, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the first baseman is able to stop it. Sometimes it flies all the way over their head. And then the first baseman has to throw it back to the coach. Sometimes he throws it towards the coach. Sometimes he throws it towards the outfield. Sometimes he throws it over the fence. It's just, it's just failure after failure after failure. But at that age, we know that that's not what we're teaching them to win, right? We're teaching them to play well. We're teaching them to be teammates. We're teaching them to care about each other and to share with one another. We're teaching them to try hard. We're teaching them about perseverance and effort. But that doesn't really change as they get older in sports, does it? It's the same things that we should be celebrating that somehow we put that aside and only celebrate winning, don't we? And so we need to celebrate and make a big deal out of the things that actually matter. When you see your kid share something with another kid, that is a huge milestone if they haven't done that before. 
much bigger than winning anything or showing a skill at something. If you see your kid caring about someone else that other people have not cared about in the past, that's a big deal. If you see your kid and they come home with something from school that says, man, they showed great character today, that should be celebrated more than the A that they get on their report card. Because we have to reinforce to our kids the importance of living like Christ, much more than making a good grade or being good at a sport. And what we celebrate, what we reinforce is gonna become the most important things in our kids' life. So those are celebrating milestones. Next principle, being a consistent model. So the next word is model. The principle is that survivors see themselves as competitors, but thrivers see themselves as coaches. So surviving parents see yourself, I see myself when I'm just in survival mode as competing against my kids. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we would all say, I've definitely seen myself in that situation before that in the moment that something goes wrong, now that's my enemy, that's my competitor. I am gonna show that, that kid who's the boss. I am gonna let them know I am the parent. I am gonna assert my authority and they're gonna know that they can't do that to me. But thriving parents instead see themselves as coaches. And so in that same moment of disobedience of a child or that same moment where a kid takes a toy from another kid or that same moment where, where a high schooler comes home just obsessed with the popularity and, and what their, their friends think of them and it calls them to do something that they shouldn't have done or when that adult child calls you and makes a mistake because they're wanting more money or they're wanting to gain some kind of popularity in their company or an advancement and they make maybe some ethical issues and you're not sure if it's the best thing to do. In every one of those moments, as a parent, we have the choice to make, are we going to drive home our point or are we going to coach them to help them see the biblical truth in that matter? Because we can win a lot of wars with our kids, especially when they're younger, but, or a lot of battles with our kids, but lose the war of coaching them to become more like Christ. A verse, Hebrews 12, 10 through 11 Talking about uh, earthly fathers, this is what the author of Hebrews says. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so if you think from the perspective of God, again, we want to get how does God treat us? And then we treat our children the same way. When God sees us and he sees us making mistakes or he sees us doing something wrong or falling into some kind of sin, God does discipline us. But he disciplines us for our good, not to win an argument, not to say, see, I told you so, not to say, yep, I'm right, you're wrong. I can wipe you off this earth if I want to. I can do what I want to. I'm God, ha, 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 right? God disciplines for our good. He is like a coach who disciplines so that we can learn better how to live and be more like him. There's a great verse in 1 Corinthians 11:1 1, where Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and he simply says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And you know, Paul was sometimes pretty, pretty harsh with the churches. He was not afraid to tell them like it was. 
but his heart behind it was always that of a coach, of a mentor, of someone trying to bring people along more towards Christ so that they could follow his example as he followed Christ, not to try to put people in their place. And it's hard as parents because in that moment, when something goes wrong and we want to snap, then our first thought usually isn't, how can I take this wonderful opportunity to teach little Johnny here how to be more like Christ? That's not our first thought. But if we take a moment, take a step back and think and and prepare, we can do that. We can say, this is an opportunity to coach, not to compete with our kids. A great example of this that, that I remember seeing a long time ago, I think I was... I think I was a senior in high school, maybe a freshman in college when Lou Holtz became the, the football coach at South Carolina. And I remember watching a video, you know, he, he came in, he was already, already um, advanced in his age and he was there for, I don't know, five years, six years. I don't know how long he was there, but I remember it was later on and he probably was close to 80 at this point. And I remember it was a video where he was watching the punt returners and the punt returners kept missing the punts. Like they would, they missed and missed and go and they, they couldn't do it. And it was hilarious. The video, he's like, all right, Forget it. Let me show you how to do it. And no lie, 80-year-old Lou Holtz goes out there and says, shoot one up there because they had the thing that shot him. And sure enough, shot one up there, first one, boom, he catches it. And then you find out like uh, in the article that he broke like two or three of his um, fingers when he did it. But he did it because he was a coach, because he was wanting to show how to do what he was telling them to do. He realized that just yelling at them and just telling them how bad they were or how they're doing it wrong wasn't helping. He needed to step in there and coach them and model for them how to do it. And so that's why we need to be a consistent model as coaches. We can't expect our kids to be something that we aren't. And what we need to realize is that we need to be today what we want our kids to be tomorrow. Because the reality is our speech becomes their speech. Our attitudes becomes their attitudes. Our, uh, the way that we treat other people becomes the way that they treat other people. Our hearts become their hearts. They are catching things daily. And sometimes it's simply the best way that we could thrive as parents is to take a good look in the mirror, examine ourselves and ask the question, am I being today who I'm wanting my kid to be in the future? And if we're not, then we need to start with ourselves. And that is the best step to thriving. Last one. The last M is method. Survivors react Thrivers proact. And that is a word. I was confused at first. I was like, I've heard proactive is proactive word, but I looked it up. Proact is a word and we know what that means. Proact is to do beforehand, to think in a situation beforehand. React is when the situation comes to try to figure out the best solution once the the obstacle or the opportunity as we have been talking about presents itself. Now that it's happened, how do I react to it? 
A lot of us take part in reactive parenting and it's causing our families to survive and not just thrive because we take every moment as it comes. But let's be real, God is a proactive God, isn't he? God from the beginning of time knew what was going to happen spiritually in the lives of humans. He knew Adam and Eve was gonna disobey him. He knew that they were gonna fall into sin. He knew the plight of the world before it happened and he put a plan in place even before before all of this happened to send Jesus to die for us, to, to be risen again three days later to save us. God is a proactive God. And we can take that reality and we can learn from that and realize that as parents, the more proactive we can be, the better our family is going to thrive. But check this verse out, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so God just isn't proactive with simply the big grand story of redemption and Jesus. God is proactive with every single one of our lives. It's not that just he put history in place so that Jesus would come and die for us. He prepares in advance for us the works that we do. He is very intimately involved in our lives, proactively involved, giving us a reason to live, giving us a purpose and giving us a life. And as parents, the more proactive we can be in our kid's life, the more we're gonna thrive. And so that is why the how-to of this one is have a method, have a method. If you're a parent this morning and you say, there's not really anything that we do that's structured, that is set in place. We don't have anything spiritually beneficial like to our family or to our kids that is on a schedule that we do. It would be an amazing step to move towards thriving as a family spiritually. And it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be difficult. If you're doing nothing, you can just decide when we eat dinner, we're gonna have one spiritual conversation. Or before we go to bed, we're just gonna say a prayer together. Or we're gonna pull out a Bible, read a short, quick Bible verse. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna go to bed. Because reality is making it simple enough to be consistent with is the most important thing. We all as parents have big grand plans for a lot of things in our lives for our kids, don't we? And we realize pretty quickly that those don't always work out the way that we think they're going to. But a simple easy method, easy plan that we can be consistent with on a daily, weekly, yearly, monthly basis will lead our family into thriving and then just, then just surviving on a daily basis. The reality is a little bit, a little bit done consistently will lead to bigger change than one big thing done once. It's why a weekly church attendance we feel as pastors is so important. We don't do that. We don't say that just so that we can say, oh, look, everybody's at our church. We're doing a good job. It's because we know that in the rhythm of life, the most important thing for your kids' families is consistency, is hearing the truth of God, is hearing the gospel over and over again. And the more they're here on a consistent basis, the greater change and the greater thriving is gonna happen in your families. And so having a method is so important to thriving as a family. So 
So as I close out this morning, I, I just wanna challenge you guys as parents and me as a parent, no matter what age your kids are, maybe even grandkids, maybe you're, you're a teacher and you're teaching kids to think through these four M's and ask the question, how can I thrive more in each of these areas? How can I better take advantage of the moments that happen in my family's life? When a moment comes, remember perspective, do I see that as an obstacle or do I see that as an opportunity? And in that moment, am I going to try to shine the gospel into it, to use it, to share the love of Jesus, or am I gonna to try to just get over this obstacle so I can get on with my life? Moments. Next one, milestones. What are you celebrating most in the lives of your kids? No matter what age they are. What do you celebrate most? What do they get most? What do your kids get most excited about telling you about? Is it the things that really matter or is it the things that don't matter very much? My uh, model, being a consistent model. Would you say the person that you are today is the person you want your kid to be in the future? Maybe the, the best thing that you can do as a family and you can do as a parent and I can do as a parent is simply before I go out each day is to say a prayer and say, God, make me the person today that I want my kids to be tomorrow. And then the last one is what is your, your plan? What is your family discipleship look like? And if there isn't any, that's okay. Maybe now's the time to get started. Maybe now's the time to do one thing one small, one simple thing. You might can add later on, you might can build upon it, but again, small, little, consistent is greater than any one big thing done one time. And so I believe that these four principles, these four ideas that as parents, if we can begin to see our parenting, to see our families in these ways, to shift our perspective into looking for the opportunities, to taking advantage of the moment, celebrating the things that matter, to become a better model of what we want our kids to be, and then putting into place some kind of small method where we are sharing the good news of Jesus. I think our families and more importantly, our children will thrive instead of surviving. So I want you uh, to, to take that, to think about it as I pray this morning. I'm gonna pray for us as parents, pray for us as families and ask God to help us see better what he wants from us. Let's pray.